Welcome to Tech in the Right Direction, the podcast. Let's take tech in the right direction to drive social change and close the employment, pay, and culture gap for women in technology. This podcast is focused on helping turn ideas into action and create opportunities for women to advance in the dynamic technology industry. I hope this podcast will inspire and motivate you to encourage more women and girls to seek or grow a career as a woman in technology. Stories about the journey of amazing women in the tech field starts right now. Welcome to Tech in the Right Direction, the podcast. This week, I'll be speaking with Vanina Ivanova. Vanina has more than 15 years of experience in advertising and online marketing. She has run and managed huge digital marketing projects in the fintech industry and has been part of the team for a major cloud storage provider. In the past five years, Vanina has been running the marketing growth and sales team at edX Network. edX is a blockchain-powered system that is bringing full transparency to the digital marketing space through smart contract technology. She's a cryptocurrency enthusiast herself and is finding working for blockchain company inspiring, empowering, and overall delightful. Welcome to the show, Vanina. I'm so excited to have you on. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be a guest on the show. Great. So let's get started. Can you share with us your career journey and how you got to where you are today? Wow. My my career took a lot of turns until I found <laughs> my my thing um, and uh, until I found uh, marketing and blockchain. I started out uh, as a legal secretary, um, which makes very little sense <laughs> when I say it now. But when I was uh, when I was still in university, I decided to get a job and be financially independent. And that was a job that I could get at 18 with zero experience. I was hired as a legal secretary, learned a lot about the legal world, um, and uh, then moved on to a career in a call center again, because it suited my studies really well. Like I could combine studying and, and working really, uh, really well. So I found a job at, a, at an online gambling company. And while I was probably the lowest, uh, the lowest, the, the lowest in the year uh, hierarchy, um, I started digging into the gambling industry. I got interested into the psychology of players and into the the industry in general as business processes, and and it just seemed fascinating uh, at the time, and I think it still is. Um, so when I graduated university, I started working as a, a content manager and copywriter for the gambling industry. From the gambling industry, I moved on to the uh, fintech industry. And from there, I think blockchain was a very logical step. And uh, that's how I found myself doing marketing for a blockchain company. That's amazing. I loved what you said about the psychology of players. I'm sure that really is fascinating. And, um, you know, what makes them tick, what makes them come back, what 
it's just fascinating to me as well. So very interesting. Um, and then FinTech took you to blockchain. That's that's pretty good. So let's talk marketing. So you have a lot of experience in online digital marketing. So share with our listeners your thoughts on what is different today, marketing today versus, you know, maybe 10 years ago. And what are some best practices to use? Oh, things are so, so different today uh, than they were 10 or 15 or 20 years ago, I think. When I started studying marketing and advertising at the university, um, there was Google AdWords. I think it was just AdWords back then. I don't even remember the, the exact name, but that was the only the only form of digital marketing that we had back then uh, together with banners. And they were all neon and shiny and could cause an epileptic seizure and websites were covered in those banners. And that was the beginning of online advertising. Mm -hmm. And things are very, very different today. What I think that the biggest difference that we see today is the, um, the profiling of the user, the extent to which we can predict a user's purchasing habits so that we can target them with the right ad at the right moment to make sure that they make a purchase. And while from a, from a marketing perspective and from an ad tech perspective, this is fascinating. It's amazing how far we've come. Um, from a purely human perspective and point of view, this is a little bit scary, at least to me uh -huh, and, uh -huh. and to the Empire team, because it crosses the, the boundary of privacy. We being, being, uh, online uh, shoppers, we no longer have any sense of privacy left because advertising companies use any and every piece of data that they have about us to make sure that we are in the right disposition to see this ad or that ad or to bombard us with messages that we would be uh, susceptible to. And I think that this has gotten a little bit out of control. Uh, and I think that we've, we've basically reached the point of no return when we need to say, hey, that's enough. We should stop being the product. We should stop selling, our, well, let, not selling, but letting companies use and sell our data mm -hmm. um, to advertisers uh, and to companies. And we should reclaim that privacy. We should get it back and say, hey, you know, we've had enough of this. And I think that's the biggest difference between um, the world of digital advertising now and that same world when I was starting out. Uh, there was there was a time when I was really, really excited about ad tech and about the the possibility to guess somebody's mood or to predict what the next purchase would be based on their previous one and to uh, cross-reference data across multiple uh, e-commerce sites. But I think I was just too young to realize that this is a really, really big privacy invasion. Mm -hmm. That's so interesting. Wow. So this is so true. Like I can search something on my computer. Um, let's say I'm looking, I'm in the market for some kind of product and I'm looking for it. The next minute it's on my Facebook, you know, where it tells me 
all about the same thing that I searched on my computer. And it is scary. It is, you know, opening up a whole world of there's no privacy anymore. So can we do anything as consumers to change that? Well, yes, yes. Um, fortunately, it's not too late to change this. We can do a lot to uh, to put some brakes um, into that and, and kind of like stall that process. One thing that we can do is um, adjust our privacy settings. A lot of platforms, mm -hmm. Facebook included, has a special page for each user where they can control their privacy settings and their advertising targeting settings. And most people don't even know about the existence of those because they're right. so deep that at the end of the day, that's what the platform makes money from, from advertisers. And they have zero interest in the users knowing about this and actually restricting their, their mm -hmm. set. But we can do that. That's one thing that, that we can do. The other thing that uh, we can do is uh, support companies and websites and publishers that utilize contextual targeting. And contextual targeting is basically um, showing ads based on the content that the user is consuming at this particular moment. For example, if I am currently visiting a website about fashion, I would be seeing ads for a fashion brand sale, for example, mm -hmm. or, you know, for buy these shoes, Vanina. Um, but they don't know that it's actually me on the other side of the screen. They don't know what I've purchased, when I've purchased, when I'm likely to purchase again. So basically, the only thing that matches that is that 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 is matched in in terms of targeting is the content that I'm consuming, perhaps my geolocation and maybe gender. But that's about it. And this is what we actually do at Umbire Addicts because we believe in ethical ads and we believe that people should, should have privacy, uh, even if they don't explicitly ask for it. That's very, very good. That's really good um, on your company's part that's taking steps to make sure that the consumer is protected, which is so important. And I love that you know, you talked about adjusting your privacy settings. So everybody on who's listening should really think about that. If that's something you want, then go ahead and adjust your privacy settings, whether it's Facebook or your um, your browser or wherever uh, wherever you search. So that's that's really great. Now, um, blockchain. Wow, that's a whole different. Um, thought process, whole different beast in itself. So uh, you say that finding, you are finding that working with blockchain companies is inspiring, empowering, and overall delightful. Tell us more about that. <laughs> uh, thank you for that question. I actually, I, I actually stand by those words um, 100%. I got to blockchain and our team got to blockchain when we were looking for an ad platform, that an ad network that would deliver this, uh, this privacy focus and this ethical element. And when we couldn't find one on the market, we just decided that we're going to create one ourselves. The next logical step would be uh, to look into the technology that could deliver this. And back then, uh, blockchain was a buzzword, but it was also a very promising technology. 
So we started looking into that and we figured out that, yes, it may not be the universal solution to what we're looking for, but it's actually pretty close. And it also gives us an opportunity to crowdfund our project and have the money to actually build it. So we killed two birds with one stone, uh, started digging into blockchain and started building on top of blockchain. And again, it's something so new. It was so exciting to us. It was riveting. Every day there was a new, dis a new discovery that we made about the technology and a new, a new thing that we uncovered that we could make with and build with blockchain. And this started approximately five years ago, a little bit over five years ago, and it continues to date. So this is why I think I am so still so hyped about working with blockchain and uh, working with the Umbar team in particular, because it is an ongoing learning process that never stops. There's something new literally every day. With the advancement of the, of the technology, its capabilities grow and the things that we can do expand as well. So every new day is a new brainstorming session of what else we can do and how should we do it and what's the best way to approach that. So this is why I find working in blockchain extremely, extremely exciting. And this excitement translates into, into inspiration for creating stuff, for, for bringing people closer to a, a better and cleaner internet, if you wish. That's great. And you got me excited. <laughs> That's just, you know, it is inspiring when it's constantly changing and you can find new uses and constantly improve your platform as well. It, that makes it really exciting. And some, some people might say, oh, that's very stressful because it's constantly changing. But, you know, you and I living in the world of IT, we know how that feels. It is always changing and that's what makes it exciting. Did you know that there is an increase in the number of women leaving the tech industry? As a woman-owned business, Directions Training has made it our mission and passion to change this statistic. That's why Jennifer created this podcast. We showcase insight from everyday women for everyday women in the tech industry. Do you know other people that would benefit from tuning in? Share the link and help us drive the advancement of women in the tech industry. Do you have a journey or know of someone that our listeners would benefit from hearing about? Reach out to us at directionstraining.com slash podcast. Don't forget to follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and wherever you find your podcasts. Now, back to the show. At the end of the day, yeah, it is, it is stressful. It could be very stressful. And there are days when you just want to uh, get into a fetal position and cry a little and then get back <laughs> to work. But that's part of the job. I think that this is this is the, the the lows and the highs are both part of the of the job. It is an emotional roller coaster. I'm not gonna lie to you. But what's the alternative to sit back and relax and look at something that you've done for five, 10, 15 years and never move forward? I don't mm -hmm. think that's an option for us, no. especially for especially for us as women in technology. I don't think that's an option, honestly. I agree. I agree. We have to continuously be growing. Otherwise you're dead. You know, that's kind of how I feel. <laughs> um, so at talking about blockchain, let's now move to cryptocurrency. So can you provide an overview for our listeners for cryptocurrency? Because 
Um, it is fairly new. I mean, it's not new, new. I think it's been around for a little bit, but it's starting to gain a lot more traction now. So I think our listeners could benefit from a just a 101, you know, cryptocurrency 101 and how it works. Um, sure, I would love to try. I don't know. I, to be honest, it's complicated. Even after so many years in the industry, it's still complicated to explain uh, blockchain mm -hmm. and crypto to an eight-year-old or to my mom. <laughs> but I'll do my best. Thank you. Um, a cryptocurrency is basically a, a digital currency, a virtual currency uh, that is secured by cryptography. And the benefit of, uh, of such a currency is that you can't really counterfeit cryptocurrency. Uh, you can't double spend it. And you, uh, it is not controlled by any central authority, like, for example, the European Central Bank or the Feds in the States. So you have um, control over your crypto funds and crypto assets at any given point uh, in time if you, uh, if you use crypto correctly. So a lot of people would then go ahead and ask, but then what gives it value? What makes it valuable? Mm -hmm. what, uh, what backs it? Um, and this is when I usually like to ask people, but then what backs the US dollar or the euro? Mm -hmm. Nothing really. At this point, you know, there were time, there was a point in time when currencies were backed by a Federal Reserve of gold or silver or whatever, but that's no longer the case. The only thing that gives traditional currency, fiat currency value is the habit uh, that we have of using it and the consensus that we have as, as humankind decided, the, you know, the value that we have decided to assign to these pieces of paper that we use or to the coins that we use. That's the only thing that gives traditional currency value. And it's the same with cryptocurrency. A, a large enough group of people have decided to assign value to Bitcoin or Ether or any other cryptocurrency. And that group has been large enough to generate market demand. So that's what gives cryptocurrency value. And that's why cryptocurrency exists. So where are they using it right now? I mean, where is it? more prominent than you know day to day we don't see it but where are they using cryptocurrency you're right we don't see a lot of day-to-day -day transactions with mm -hmm. cryptocurrency mostly because blockchain is still not scalable enough it's still not fast enough mm -hmm. for us to transact in in real time because of the specifics of the the way crypto works uh, and the specifics of the blockchain as technology, there needs to be a certain time period before a transaction is confirmed. And this this time period could sometimes be up to half an hour. I'm not going to mm -hmm. stay in line at the store for half an hour until my transaction is confirmed mm -hmm. so that I can finalize my purchase and go home, right? Nobody's going to do that. With online shopping, maybe... Makes a little bit more sense, but again, we're so used to instant transactions mm -hmm. that um, that blockchain and crypto haven't really gotten that big of an acceptance rate um, with with that. And this is slowly changing, and there are a lot of companies. And again, excuse my shamelessness, but I'm going to plug Ambire here again. Mm -hmm. uh, we we, for example, have created a uh, a system called uh, Payment Channels. This is a layer two solution on top of the Ethereum blockchain, 
that allows for instant transactions and, and better scalability oh, nice. on the blockchain so that it is usable within the context of the ad network that we have, for example, and every, every impression is paid for in real time um, in the form of a, of a micropayment on the blockchain. Uh, so there's definitely a lot of um, a lot of progress made into that direction, but we're still not quite there yet. So mm -hmm. today you mostly see crypto being used within the realms of crypto. I know it sounds a little bit weird and a little bit like a, a little bit like a paradox, but we mostly use crypto to get other crypto to trade and exchange different cryptocurrencies and make profit profit. Um, out of the price difference, we use crypto for um, NFTs, the non-fungible tokens that are a big thing right now. Um, and these are essentially unique tokens, unique crypto coins that uh, can hold information about, for example, art ownership or real estate ownership. Um, I have, of course, you can use crypto in the real world. Um, I recently purchased a hoodie with, with cryptocurrency, uh, paid for my hoodie with cryptocurrency, and they delivered the actual physical good to my doorstep. Nice. So you can do that as well. But again, the, the possibilities here are a little bit more limited because there aren't, the, there aren't many stores that would accept cryptocurrency as payment. But things are beginning to change. I recently noticed that I was, I was buying perfume for my mom. Uh, for Christmas, and um, I noticed that the this tiny little European website selling perfumes and eau de toilette has a cryptocurrency payment option, which was uh, surprisingly refreshing. Hmm. Wow! Now I'm going to have to look for that. I don't think I've used it ever, <laughs> so this is really interesting and intriguing. So, um, so how do you buy cryptocurrency? Well, there are there are many ways to get it now. Um, one option would be to do an over-the-counter trade. For example, like I, I come to you and tell you, hey, I've got this amount of Bitcoin for sale. You give me the cash or transfer me the cash and then I transfer you the Bitcoin. Okay. As simple as that. This is still a thing. And that was the way cryptocurrency was traded at the very beginning. That was the basically the only way. Um, then, then there are also exchanges where you can go and you can fund your exchange, cryptocurrency exchange account with your credit card or with a bank transfer. And then once that money is moved into your account, you can use it to buy crypto on the platform itself. Okay, there are so also... you still need cash though, right? So you're still using cash to buy the crypto. Well, yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I mean... We could probably we could probably uh, sell something and use the the actual you know the exchange of goods like a barter mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. for the crypto and that happens as well. But mostly and maybe one day we'll get paid in crypto, <laughs> then we'd have money coming in. Oh, that that is a thing actually. I was okay. I was going to get to that as well because there are a lot of crypto companies that pay their employees in crypto. Wow. So that is actually a thing. The only the only obstacle here and the only thing here that people should be wary about is that a lot of uh, a lot of countries that it, it would entirely depend on where uh, the employee is a tax resident because a lot of countries do not recognize crypto as a legal tender mm -hmm. and and make it really hard to uh, to um, 
um, deposit the crypto into your bank account and, and into into fiat currency because at the end of the day, if you can find a landlord that would accept rent money in crypto, that's great, but most mm -hmm. don't. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. There's that as well. Very interesting. So in your opinion, what is the future of crypto tech? Well, um, I wish I could, I could give you a prediction here, but I really can't. And the reason I can't is I look back in time and I see how much things have changed for the past five years. And I see that today we work with concepts and with tools that never really existed, not just five years ago, but they didn't exist a few a few weeks ago. Mm -hmm. You mm -hmm. you wake up every morning and there's a new concept and a new a new construct and a new tool that you can use um, from a technological perspective and even from a financial point of view. And things are developing so, so quickly that I can't really say and, and stand by my words uh, where, where crypto is going. I definitely see blockchain getting more scalable and getting more mainstream adoption. And one signal for that is that more and more decentralized blockchain apps are basically introducing really good UX. Mm -hmm. so that they can speed up adoption uh, among non-crypto users. And that's a very strong signal for that uh, to me. Mm -hmm. Another strong signal is that uh, even big companies like Microsoft or MasterCard or even Facebook with their transition into meta and the metaverse, they're working into that space and they're trying to find different ways of utilizing blockchain, not just for cryptocurrency, but for different uh, different uses as well. So the metaverse is gonna be is gonna be a thing, not because of Facebook, my personal opinion, um, but because of the smaller projects that are already working in the space and developing things in the in the space like games and meeting rooms and whatnot in the metaverse. So that's that's uh, becoming a thing. I see very big future for NFTs as well because we see more and more young artists emerging and monetizing and getting paid for their work in in cryptocurrency, and that's something that wouldn't wouldn't be possible uh, just a few years ago. So I think that, and then of course um, we have cryptocurrency as an alternative to. Uh, underbanked um, societies, uh, to societies and to, to people who deal with inflation uh, that is unbearable. For example, Latin America. There's a lot of a lot of people uh, using crypto in Latin America to secure their their funds and their uh, you know the fact that they can pay their rent and buy bread uh, because inflation there is crazy, as as you probably know. So uh, so I also see the social benefit of crypto, and I think that more and more crypto will be used for good and for social good so that we can see more more communities empowered by by this technology. Well, that's great. Um, great insights on the future. Obviously, with technology, you just don't know, like you said, you know, things that you would have never imagined happening now are already there and things that you know are starting they're growing so fast so yeah totally agree so vanina who inspires you and why 
That's an amazing question. Uh, <laughs> I love it. And I wish I had an answer that was uh, as amazing as the question itself. <laughs> um, I, I suppose that people would expect me to, to mention a, a well-known name here. But no, I am actually mostly inspired by my coworkers and my nice. and the Umbar team, the, the people that I work with, because we have gathered a team of exceptional professionals, of people who are so excited and so dedicated to what they do, of people who are so eager to share knowledge and to spread ideas, and they are relentless in that. They just never, never give up. And whatever obstacles we face, we face them together and we overcome them together. And I think that this is this is very important, at least to me. It's very I find it incredibly important to have this inspiration so close to me so that I can I can revert to it whenever I feel uninspired or tired or stressed out. And all I need to do is literally just raise my my uh, head uh, behind my my laptop and and ask a question and then Mm -hmm. start a discussion with my teammates and honestly these are some of the brightest people that I've ever worked with in my entire life and they are a constant inspiration that is awesome and it's to have that kind of a network behind you is so critical uh, because you know we all have our have our ups and downs and some days you're really inspired and motivated other days you're tired and you can't come up with any inspirational thoughts so having a team behind you is so so critical so that's great so Vanina, I love to travel and so this is kind of a selfish question because I asked this question so that I can get ideas of where to go next <laughs> <laughs> so what is your most favorite place that you've traveled to and why um, I haven't been traveling as much as I like to right. uh, for the past couple of years because of COVID, mm-hmm. obviously, mm-hmm. and the pandemic. But one of the last really, really fascinating places that I visited before COVID stu- uh, struck us was Japan. I mm. found Japan to be absolutely fascinating. Definitely not a place that I would like to live in. Mm-hmm. It is a little bit too weird to my European taste, mm-hmm. but I found it fascinating um and the the japanese culture and their even their visual aesthetic is so different from what we're used to that it felt like going to a different planet literally going to a different planet mm. so i i love japan and i would love to go back um another another such place in in europe is is portugal i just love mm-hmm. portugal it is so chill and so relaxed the food is great the music is great Everybody is um, is smiling. Nobody has a care in this world. Uh, so, and it's it has amazing architecture as well. So, I Portugal is another another uh, country that I would like to explore more. Portugal is on my list. So, hopefully, in the next couple of years, <laughs> that's where I want to go too. It's just it looks amazing. I have not been there, so. Those are great. And, you know, learning about different cultures is so fascinating to me, too. And some some places you're like, oh, I love this place. I want to live here. Other places you're like, I love this place. 
but I don't want to live here, but I want to learn more every day. So, you know, I think both are great. So thank you for that insight. Um, so in closing, what advice would you give to a woman that's considering a career in tech? You've been very successful in your career and are doing some amazing work. So what advice would you give to a woman considering a career in tech? Well, definitely be relentless, be fierce, stand your ground, and learn to tune out the mansplaining. Mm. There will be a lot of yeah. mansplaining. <laughs> <laughs> very, very good advice. Oh, my gosh. That's great. Um, so, Vanina, this was so enjoyable. Please share with our listeners how they can get a hold of you. They can follow me on Twitter. My handle there is at I-N-K-S at Inks. Um, and they can also find me on LinkedIn. Or they can just go to ambar.com and shoot us a message or any of the channels that we have there. I'm there. I'll reply. Okay, Just say great. hello. Great. That's so amazing. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. We really enjoyed the conversation and hope to have you back in a future show. I hope so too. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to Tech in the Right Direction. Please take a minute to subscribe or follow so that you never miss an episode. Also, don't forget to like, share, and comment. Thank you. See you next week. From IT skill enhancements to end-user adoption training, Directions Training is your resource to help optimize the effectiveness of your technology investments. Over half a million students have taken advantage of our wide selection of technology and business training solutions covering the most popular applications today, such as Microsoft 365, Azure, Windows 10, and more. As a podcast listener, we invite you to take advantage of an exclusive offer. Receive 30 days of free access to our Microsoft official curriculum on-demand courses for IT professionals or end users. Visit us at www.directionstraining.com slash podcast to claim this offer today. Hurry, this offer is only available for a limited time. Success is a journey. Ask for directions.